Hello, everybody. Hello, 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 and welcome to another fantastic episode of Nerds North, the premier video game show hosted by two bros and a third person, only live from Simon's basement, Matt's basement, and Caitlin's second floor? Yes. Right? Still yes, perfect. second floor, Nailed baby. it. Excellent. I'm your father, son, and the goalie host, Simon Pazdor. Pazdor. There, I can slur my own name. Pyman Pavdor. You're going to call me out every time. It's not going to be good. <laughs> Because I work from home and I don't talk to anybody. So it's like I go eight hours saying like two words to my dog. Like, do you want to go outside? And then that's it. And then I have to talk for an hour straight here. It's like, ah, fuck. And then also sending me a five minute long Snapchat video, which you've gotten better at lately. So I can credit. (laughs) I know you have been taken out. You've gotten into like a quarter rotation. Like, one of out of every, maybe even less than that, maybe like a six to an eight. But there are so many times where I just, like, hit the usual suspects in the Snapchat story thing, and I'm like, but not Caitlin. I'm happy that I'm included, at least, on that, like, quarterly rotation. That's fine. Yeah, just the important ones, you know? Yeah. Only the the finest shit. Anyway, so I'm your father's son and the goalie host, Simon Pazdor. Joy did false. Fucking shit! I fucked it up again. <laughs> Man, you gotta talk to your dog more. <laughs> but joined in solidarity by my faithful squad mates, Matthew Minier and Caitlin McIntyre. How are we doing, lads? <laughs> Better than you, apparently. Fucking uh, shit! <laughs> it's your girl, your favorite diversity hire. Me. Hey, welcome to Black History Month with Caitlin. Black History Month, baby. <laughs> Hell yeah, reparations. Give me all your gold. That's right. <laughs> so, this is a fun way to open as we talk about maybe the most depressing episode of television I've seen in a long, long time. Uh, so, we're here. This is a special Last of Us uh, episodes three and four review, talk, discussion, whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh, and first, we're going to talk about episode three. Let's let's be like Philly D and, and jump right into it. Um <laughs> This is a sad episode. <laughs> and like it's truly, so far. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say it's truly nothing in TV has made me cry so much for years, I'd say. It it was just so and it was so unexpected, and I think that's why I it got me so hard. Rock hard, as you'd say. Oh, oh rock hard. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Nick Offerman's beard, it's doing some work. Yeah. This was the beard. I've never seen, uh, so we'll say spoilers for episodes three and four of the show, and also spoilers for the equivalent period of time in The Last of Us game. And then later on, I do want to discuss a spoiler for Last of Us Part 2, but we'll 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 cross that road when we come to it. And the reason I want to say spoilers for uh, the equivalent part in the game is because this was by far, and there's only been four episodes, but by far the biggest departure of the uh the game to the show right mm-hmm. this was this was a wildly different change and i think that's why like the sad ending is sad but also happy is so impressive because in the game as we know bill and frank end up breaking up so to speak and then frank ends up committing suicide i think after he gets bit or something like that right yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah, he gets infected and then and then hangs himself i'm yeah. pretty sure is what happens after writing a nasty note yeah, saying, like, I always hated you or something. So I was kind of, I'm sure a lot of people, don't know about you guys, I was kind of expecting that's the way the show went. And then to see just, like, an hour of the sweetest but also beardiest kisses I had ever seen. I don't think in, like, fiction, 
not in real life either, to be honest. But I don't. I haven't seen too many like gay couples where they're both bearded. I've never Feels seen like one's that bearded much and the body other one's hair not. on a yeah. gay man in the media. This was like come truly so far. bare representation. We've come so far, exactly, and so hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, would we call? I will have to. Uh, I, I will. We'll turn to Caitlin for this one for the definitive the, the diversity <laughs> hire uh, of diversity authentication. Hire. Yeah. So I, I know Nick Offerman is definitely a bear because he's like a bigger gentleman. But the, Murray yes. Bartlett is that his name? Pretty Murray sure? Bartlett. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he plays Frank, and he's a thinner gentleman. So I believe yeah. the correct term for that is an otter, which is like yes. the best term I've ever heard in my entire life. Also, sorry, excuse my dog. He's being extremely rude um, for barking fine. in the background. He's just excited but about the show. He's really excited. He also cried. It's it about Harry representation. Really yeah, he loves Harry representation. He's a he's a big old homophobic bear. He he's he's kind of like he's kind of like um uh holy shit. Mm-hmm. All right, back to it. Um, yes, I would say. See, with Murray Bartlett, when I was looking at him initially, I was like, no, this isn't bear on bear action. I think this is a little bit bear on otter. But when he was sitting in that bed um, and his chest was out and Mm. he was just he was sitting there so casually. Can we talk about that? He just had like the blanket slightly pulled up. He was just waiting, just listening to the shower, just like salivating, I guess. But... I don't know. That was that was a surprising amount of mass. I guess compared to Nick Offerman, he would be my gut reaction would be Otter. But I think if I just looked at that on its own, and I am picturing it in my head right now, it was it was what what a scene. Um, I would say bear. I think like the ideal bear, like they don't fit this hairy wise, but the ideal bear Otter relationship would probably be. Uh, Shit, I'm like Cam and uh, what's his name from um, Modern Family? Oh yeah, yeah, those guys, Cam and shit. What's the what's the dude's name? Mitchell. 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 Mitchell yeah, that's. I it. kept yes. thinking Murray. I was like, yeah, Cam and Murray. <laughs> yeah. I've seen yeah, exactly like... one episode of that show ever coming I've through. Seen the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the entire series. Oh. It's quite good. Which is weird, because when I watched that series, this may be my hottest take ever. I Like, one of the things that I loved about that show, I'm like, this was so consistently funny the entire time. It's like 12 seasons, yes. and I thought it was consistently funny the entire time. And anytime you see it brought up on Twitter or Reddit, which are cesspools, so you shouldn't mm-hmm. trust what they say, it's just like, man, that show was great, but then it really fell off in, like, the last six seasons. I'm like, it didn't. It didn't. No. And, like, when I see people complain about it, they do often say the last season. But the last season... I didn't like as much because I knew it was ending, and that's usually the case. Yeah, but I mean, once Lily grew up, she was like such a rock star. Anyway, different gay couple, wrong gay couple. They'll <laughs> uh, be on our uh, next series. Yeah, we could watch. We'll do a watch through of Modern Family. We'll do an episode of this show, <laughs> an hour long episode per half hour episode of Modern Family. <laughs> a breakdown. Totally gratuitous. Anyway, so we'll kind of go through the the episode like scene by scene a little bit so it starts off with joel and ellie uh but it sure won't be jelly. them for yeah j- jelly i hope i've never heard that before <laughs> that's perfect but yeah it sure doesn't stick with them for uh for too long and apparently people were quite pissed at this shot i'm looking at a shot like 20 seconds in of like mountains in boston and a lot of people from boston were like you can't see mountains 10 miles west of us like shut up <laughs> shut up it was filmed in calgary 
This mountains of Calgary, just shut it up. It was very funny to watch this episode and this one specifically because I was like, oh, I know exactly where that is. I know that bridge that's 10 minutes from my friend's house. So it was, it was very fun watching this episode. For sure. Matt, what did, uh, before we get too deep into the meat of it, what, mm-hmm, were, what did mm-hmm. you think of the episode? We've only heard you talk about Modern Family. <laughs> yeah i mean yeah it's my my real area of expertise um i mean just like on the whole i mean i mean like you said before this is the biggest departure we've had from the game so far and i gotta say it was just fantastic like unfortunately this episode's getting a lot of like review bombs and stuff like that but to me this is one of those episodes that just sort of like you'll talk well people are going to talk about it for years and be like hey remember like that episode of the last of us you won't even say what it is, and everyone knows exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it, this is just one of those sort of like transcendent bits of TV. Not it'll gonna lie, yeah, sure. I was secretly kind of hoping that you were gonna be like, you know what? It was, it was kind of disappointing that they're shoving this gay stuff down our throats, <laughs> and just would have been, just would have been funny. <laughs> would have been. No, I definitely, I, I interacted with a few of those kind of people online, and then before giving oh. up, I was just like. You guys know they were gay in the game too, right? But you didn't have to see it, Matt. You didn't see it. Which yeah, is weird but because... one of them, one of the gays, was dead, so we were fine with it then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I was all like, you, uh, I, we kind of speculated about it last time, but they confirmed it actually in the uh, official podcast that Joel and Tess were a couple. Clearly, like more of a business couple. Mm-hmm. Than a, like a romantic couple, but they were a couple because they what they said was we confirmed it by them getting into the same bed. And I was like, all right, well, sometimes maybe you just shared a bed because it's probably not that many, but whatever. So they confirmed that, but like you didn't hear a huge outcry, like oh man, them just like shoving this straight romance Ooh. in our face. Ah, just me on my alt account. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> your dark, uh, your dark Twitter account when you go into yeah. those <laughs> those sections. But the, uh, uh, dark on Black History Month. Uh. Ooh, ooh, shit, my bad. Let's talk about that Last of Us real quick. So the uh, Ellie stabs, like, a dude right in the head. That definitely didn't happen in the game. And it continues to, like, they've... And this is kind of, I think, supported by what they say in the the podcast, that I think Joel is pretty much, like, beat for beat, identical to the the game. But they continue, I think, that they want to add... They want to add stuff to Ellie, that being, like, depth. So they talked about in this most recent episode... uh, how they want to give her a dark past that she didn't necessarily have in the game. Because, of course, by the time the first game came out, they hadn't written uh, Left Behind, right? Yeah. When she's in a mall. So we didn't know what mm-hmm. her past really was. But now we know what the past was. They want to allude to it more. But Ellie just, like, cutting an infected's head, and then I think she smashes it with a rock or, like, stabs it. She like, stabs it. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't too brutal. Like, we didn't even see the stab. It, it was kind of more of a putting it down than anything. Uh, it was, I didn't find it was too brutal. It was just kind of like that morbid curiosity of being 14 and being like, I don't know. We all did dissections around that age. No, I know, but this guy's not dead. Like when I saw it, I was like, man, she's like, she's like pretty okay. Yeah. But I think I, it's as long as it looks like a person. She's staring right in his eyes. Like there's no way that the, this clearly I think is to show that she's done this a few times. This isn't like her first zombie kill. And like. The way that Bella Ramsey plays it, she like or they. I found out that uh, Bella Ramsey is a they. That uh, <laughs> so they. Yeah. they. They're not like picky on pronouns though. Oh, perfect. Good. Yeah. So 
they don't even blink. They just like like cold stare at the uh, at the zombie, and it's like okay, I'm I'm still readjusting to this new Ellie, and I think I'm gonna like it a whole lot. But it's not. It's a departure from from the games. I think it continues even into the next episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of like that um, as that moment where it's like here's this just like horrible monster that we've like run from for the last 20 years. And now you like actually have a moment to just sit there and like look at it and pick at it. And it's like, what do you do in that moment? You know, I I don't know. I thought, I thought it was kind of a a neat moment. I felt it was like, I thought at least trying to call back to like the previous episode. And it's like, is it hard to kill them Mm -hmm. knowing that they were people? And it's just like, yeah, like you said, it's a very human looking infected. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's just like, nope, stab. Yeah, I thought it was interesting just based on, like, these kind of two episodes where her kind of, like, learning about them, right? Tess was telling her that they are all connected in Ellie Guest, yes, the hive mind. Um, and just, she was asking, like, how long did they live? All these things. And so having this chance to be curious with a zombie and see... Um, one close up in a relatively harmless situation. I don't know. I feel like it's a very like natural thing to just kind of see like, you know, what is under there? Like what's under the skin? Um, it very much did feel like I was in biology class though. And my partner beside me was getting a little too into the, uh, (laughs) dissection. But I think that's, I feel like all the girls were crazy into dissections, which is weird. I also like the moment of her like finding the tampons and just being like score because it's like yeah. I mean you you know you loot things in the game you know ammo and and like cloth and alcohol and, and all that kind of stuff which is like yeah that's all useful but you never you never see someone just picking up like oh a can of food nice oh you know like a pack of tampons nice it's like yeah this stuff would be like hard to come by that would actually be awesome Pretty you sure know just, toilet it, paper too right from yeah yeah yes yeah just this little like day to day things where it's like that's probably a bigger part of their like daily experience in the zombie apocalypse than zombies are is just like struggling for sort of like regular everyday materials. So I don't know. I thought it was a nice thing to throw in. Yeah. Like honestly being a person who has periods and not having menstrual products is already a nightmare enough. Throw in the zombie apocalypse and it's just like, just take me out fast. Oof. Yeah, like there's the scene in the first episode, I think, where Joel says he needs the bag back. And that would also <laughs> make me think of that. I'm like, yeah, they probably don't like plastic bag manufacturing, like Ziplocs, is probably not high on the priority list. <laughs> yeah, so, don't like, know yeah. if Ziploc oh, made it through the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, those would definitely be a high priority. And before the last thing they'll say before I steer us toward uh, Bill and Frank is uh, I'm sure you guys caught it too, but it's a very telling uh, scene when Ellie and Joel are talking about the beginning of the apocalypse and she finally kind of gets Joel to open up and then they talk about how it got into the food supply, most likely flour. It got into a lot of things like bread, Mm -hmm. cereal, dot, 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 pancake mix, which Mm -hmm. I'm sure we all noticed. They didn't, Mm -hmm. they couldn't get a hold of the pancake mix in the first episode. So that's how close they were. And it also makes you think, oh yeah, wait, the old lady was getting fed biscuits biscuits yeah so yeah, yeah they they did a lot of things that seed back into that first episode very well done craig mazin and neil Druckmann. Mm-hmm. i think so these two might that. know what they're doing um in the game did they talk about it coming from green products at all i don't think they talked about the not that i remember yeah. okay i really do like that it was from flower 
um, or something like that. That's the leading cause based on the Jakarta bit as well. But um, it reminds me of ergot, the fungus in uh, grains that has gone back since we've been writing since like 600 BC. There's always tales of these mass deaths because of ergot infected grain it's just such a a common thing happening over and over and over again so it's very fitting that the zombie apocalypse would come through the distribution the wide distribution of such a simple thing such as flour yep agreed very well done speaking of very well done this is why you hire <laughs> nick offerman another juicy detail like uh, probably half of this podcast is going to be me pointing to stuff at the official podcast because it's so goddamn good. Oh, it's so detailed. But the little story about how uh, Craig Mason, when he was writing the script, he wrote like they write things in the notes, like internal character dialogue, but that's just for the actor to understand the mood of the character and not necessarily for the <laughs> character to say out loud. Do you guys know where I'm going with this? Yeah. And, uh, and <laughs> where, when you have the introduction to Bill, it says, not today, you new world order jackboot fucks. And then Dick Offerman says to Craig Mason, I'm I'm going to say that, though. <laughs> That's, That's a line that deserves to, to be read aloud. Yeah, this is uh, this line needs to be included. And this is a particularly, I mean, Nick Offerman is amazing. I think that's also in that episode where they talk about it. And it's so true how it's always great to get comedic actors to do dramatic roles. Because comedy is inherently, like, human, and so they understand the human roles actually really, really well. And so it's interesting to see Nick Offerman, whose most famous character is easily from Parks and Recreation being a very humorous guy, playing Bill, who, other than, like, giggling at strawberries, is a completely serious character. Mm -hmm. And yet he nails it so well. In some ways, he's kind of just Ron Swanson taken to the extreme and and the, like, humor stripped away, though. Like, this is a very Nick Offerman role. Yeah. And I think that's why it was so fun. Like, I didn't know he was going to be in this role until he showed up and he took off the mask. It was very exciting to see and just be like, wait a second. It's just like he's playing that character again. This is awesome. That's true. He does have a scene in Home Depot where you could just hear Ron Swanson saying, (laughs) I know more than you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's also so satisfying because by the time we meet Bill in the game, he's already got everything set up. It was so satisfying to see someone like Bill and Nick Offerman, who a lot of us know from previous stuff and from his personal life, can actually do all this stuff. It was so satisfying someone to, okay, I know exactly what to do. I'm going to, I've been preparing for this mentally for a long time. I'm going to get all the gas I can. I'm going to go raid Home Depot. I know how to build all this stuff. I was like, yeah, this is like, this guy knows what he's doing. This was very satisfying to see. This is who I thought I would end up being when I was 12 and I was reading the zombie handbook. By Max Brooks. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be this prepared for a zombie apocalypse. It's going to be sick. And now I've grown into a person who was like, man, I hope I die quick. (laughs) (laughs) What an evolution. (laughs) I've grown soft. This whole episode, I was just thinking, it's sort of on the same line of just like, oh, yeah, no, they they didn't even need to do any set dressing or anything. These are just unedited shots of Calgary and Edmonton. Um, that, (laughs) That this is just like... This isn't even an episode of The Last of Us. This is just Nick Offerman's Twitch stream. From yeah. Live from yeah. Calgary. Yeah. Nick Offerman living his life. Uh, just doing his yeah. daily stuff, you know? Bird a baby. <laughs> Tammy's gone. He's on his own. <laughs> anyway, so then uh, Murray Bartlett proves that he would not survive an in. Uh, um, what's I'm looking for? 
an attack of Team Rocket because he falls right into a fucking hole. <laughs> Which was really funny. Like, him looking up and just seeing the hole and it's like, oh, something fell in there. Okay, time to go deal with it. And there's just this, like, totally defenseless, starving dude. Hasn't eaten in two days. Realizes he's not whining about a whole lot. When he was saying that two days doesn't sound that loud, like that much out loud, I was like, oh my God, I'm pathetic after five hours of not eating. Mm-hmm. One of the uh, the interesting things, again, I'm going to be a broken record in the episode, is they kind of asked, they didn't use the word, but I'll use it, but they kind of asked, uh, when did they write in uh, Frank's gaydar? When yes. did he figure it out? And it's, and it's such an interesting moment where it's like crazy early when he's got his hands up and he says he hasn't eaten. And then he sees the hesitation in Bill's eyes. Mm-hmm. And because he's just a good looking dude who no doubt was very prolific in his youth. As soon as he sees the hesitation, because he, he probably could sense it at least a little bit. Uh, as soon as he sees the hesitation, he just has that like smile on his face. He's like, I'm handsome. I'm in. We're good. Yep. I confirmed. We got it. I know, I hey, know in the apocalypse, that's all you need. I know your secret. Um, this talked uh, ended up being like a big conversation between my partner and I. Just like, how do you describe to a straight person the gaydar? What are the tells? And it's something that is just so undescribable. It's just like a look, a moment of pause. It's, they showed it so perfectly in this and the show writer was saying that there were a lot of um middle-aged married gay men involved in this production and consulted and it was just so perfect because on the first watch you don't catch it really but you re-watch it and you just see the processing and the silent conversation going on and the wheels turning in his head being like oh this guy isn't all that he shows it's just only confirmed as it goes on mm-hmm. yeah i mean such an interesting thing the great point great point so then we have uh bill of course makes him a dinner and it's a fairly elaborate dinner who knows i mean he made the elaborate dinner the first time that he was alone but i would imagine that bill more or less, a lot of his meals are probably just, like, steak, carrot, right? Like, and he really yeah. made mm-hmm. effort for this one, which was probably another clue to Frank, like, that he's giving me, like, this uh, five-star meal. You mean when you wouldn't, you wouldn't just give your bro, like, a meal that you, like, spent an hour and a half on, and you wouldn't grab, like, the most expensive wine? You wouldn't do that for your bro? <laughs> just a rando off the street. Just a guy. Probably not. Just a couple of bros having just rabbit, you know. Just just dudes vagabond. being guys. Just yeah. guys being dudes. Just dudes just being bros rabbit. and bunnies, man. Bros and bunnies. <laughs> you always get a bunny for your bro. Everyone knows that. Yeah, everyone. <laughs> I want to get a shirt with that on it. Always get a bunny for your bro. Hashtag bunnies for bros. Anyway, and then it really gets confirmed. I think Frank at this point is kind of playing around. I'm leafing through the episode. He's kind of flank, uh, leafing around. Uh, that's what I said. He's kind of playing around with Bill and seeing what he can get away with because now he knows. And then he goes mm-hmm. and he sits down at the piano. And another part, again, take a shot every time I say from the episode. But it's so insightful that apparently Murray Bartlett is genuinely a really great <laughs> pianist and a really great singer. So they, like, it had showed. To... It wasn't that bad. 
I know. They they talk about it like it's the worst thing ever. I'm like, he can only be so bad. Like, he I was so pretty know, good. I didn't know how off he was until Bill started singing. Oh, yeah. I had the exact same thought. It's like, ah, oh, come on. He's fine. And then, yeah, yeah Bill starts singing. I was like, oh, no, that that's different. <laughs> the tone's completely different. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, then they share that uh, tender moment. And then he, get, he really moment? gets a confirm. Well, he gets a confirm when he says, <laughs> who's the girl? Yes. And then he says there is no girl. And then they share, again, the beardiest kiss that's ever been on television. It, it was shocking how much beard on beard action was going on in those five minutes. I was like, I've never, I've never seen this on TV. It was genuinely a moment where I was just shocked. And then I had the moment, oh my God, the fan base. Like one, I had the thought of how Tumblr, not Tumblr, oh my gosh, that really shows how <laughs> deep in the shit I used to be. How Twitter was going to react. I didn't have a Tumblr, what, what are you talking about? Um, how Twitter was going to react. And then I was thinking, oh my God, how are all the, like, the dude bro is going to react who reacted badly to the last of us part two. How are they going to react to this? Yeah. But did you recognize in this scene, Caitlin as a, as a, as a non penis owner <gasps> uh, and shout out to Braden. He's probably enraged that I said that on air right now, but whatever. When uh, <laughs> Bill is scurrying away from Frank, he, we, every guy knows this walk. It's I have a huge boner in my jeans that I need to like move awkwardly so it's not super obvious. I didn't notice. Holy that little, shit. That little boner scurry is like, yeah, we've all... It's like you're in grade five and you get called to do like a presentation at the front of the class. Like anyone other than me right now, please. Anyone other than me? Can we? Yeah, we've all <laughs> you been there. You just had a raging heart on. Okay. I didn't yeah, notice so that at insane. all. I just went and looked at the scene right now. And oh my God, it's so true. <laughs> I didn't notice <laughs> it at all. It's 100% That's an amazing does. detail. He watches like he's a shot. Yeah. Wow. It takes one to know one. So that's okay that you missed that. This anyway. is why these talks are so important. That's exactly right. Need a fresh perspective. We yes. we came through with the diversity today. Thank you. We, Thank you. We provided you. that to you. <laughs> anyway, so because we do have two episodes to talk about this week, oh, we'll yeah. keep moving. So then we jump forward quite a bit in the relationship. I think the next jump is like eight years, but I think it's total. Oh, no. It's three, three or years. four years. Yeah. And then it's like another eight after that. So I think we're with them yeah. for like 20 years uh, total. And basically it's. it's 16 years. Yeah. The apocalypse has been 20 years. I'm rounding up. Uh, but so, it's yeah, it's essentially Frank saying I want to pretty this place up, which like why not? Like you got it sounds like as opposed to like in the game, it, it, the game it looked like Bill couldn't go anywhere because it wasn't fenced yeah. in. There were just booby traps everywhere. So he's really got like a house, but here they've kind of fenced in a neighborhood. So like mm -hmm. why can't he go down to the hardware store in their neighborhood, get some paint, and like paint a couple houses? Like, resource not? management yeah duh but yeah like frank just wants to make a house a home he just wants to just wants to like pretty up the place he wants to have a garden party he wants to like not just survive but thrive they've made it they're safe it's time to enjoy living 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, when they, when they sort of burst out of the house and he's like, fuck you, immediately I was like, no, they were going to be so cute. And then 10 seconds later, when you like realize the kind of argument they're having, it's like, oh, okay, they're nice, even though they're still like yelling at each other. Yeah, they're in it for the long haul. You can tell by that argument. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the I'm not going to quit on you uh, argument, but we're, we're it's a it's a it's a different type of argument, I think, as have we've all been in long term relationships uh, where you're like at the beginning of the relationship, every argument has the uh, the weight of we might break up because of yeah. this. Right. So you don't want to go too hard. But when you know at the end of the day, you're still going to wake up next to the person. That's like a different type of argument. You're like, you know, Game fuck on. you. But also, I still love you. So like, we'll, it's we'll really go for it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it was it was so fun, just like that juxtaposition, like that sudden jump from like, oh, so new and so like, oh my gosh, I am having these feelings, oh my god, to like, fuck you, you don't let me do anything fun, god, so good. Mm-hmm. And it's so different from the game, where it's like, you don't let me do anything fun, I'm running away. Exactly. Yeah. What at what point did it hit the two of you that this was going to be a different ending than the game? It hit me when the piano, honestly. There was oh, just so, something so so early. Okay. So early because I I was just like so on, oh my god, they're going to do this. Are they going to do it? I don't know. I don't know. Like as soon as they're like Frank was in the pit. I was like, oh my god, they went back so far. They're going. They're gonna do this. And then the supper and everything. Then the piano. I was like, this is gonna be like that. We're. I'm gonna get hurt. <laughs> like I'm this is gonna hurt because just like when Bill started singing and how Frank was looking at him, I was like, this is gonna come back. This is gonna be something. I can see the fan cams now. Like this is going to be something monumental i i just knew that it wasn't going to end in frank running away and getting bit and killing himself i just couldn't see it with the love story they were setting up yeah i I didn't expect it to like i'm sort of similar early on i figured you know we weren't going to get the frank running away and killing himself kind of thing i still fully expected like fully expected frank to die and we would get the like same sort of like jaded, um, just like angry, grumpy Bill later on. And this was just sort of like a tragic backstory for him. Um, so it was like a bit of both. I still sort of, I thought we were going to end up more or less in the same end state as we are in the game. Um, but like, yeah, I think pretty much right away you're like, okay, I see what they're doing. I'm just like the entire time I was like, this is lovely, but I'm so anxious waiting for you to just like rip out our hearts and then you think that moment comes like when they get raided and it's like oh no this is it and then it's not and just like the i was just on edge the entire time it's like when's it gonna happen when am i gonna be sad when am i gonna be sad like you had that cautious optimism like oh my gosh okay this is gonna be like soft and good but this is gonna hurt so bad and how is it gonna happen and i had the exact same thought i think a lot of people like when the raiders came in um, I just remember looking over at my friend and them just being like, so
so tense. I gave them a stitch plushie to hold on to <laughs> because they needed help already. And we had the tissues ready. So that was a red flag to them and they still fell as hard. But uh, it was tense. Oh, man. It was tense. That The emotional stitch plushie. So then we have another time jump of another three years. I mean, Bill, or uh, not Bill, uh, Tess and Joel come and visit during that time. And you kind of get the vibe that, that Joel and Bill are the same. Pardon me? They're the same. Garden party! Yeah. <laughs> the little guy is so cute. Except garden party with guns. Um, but then you have Bill attempting to jog. I felt that somewhere deep in my soul as someone who also has attempted to jog occasionally. And I was worried in that back scene. back to the garden party quickly, though? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. I just loved the interactions between Bill and Joel and, like, how they were the same exactly, like, in this weird, awkward situation where they're, like partners like just wanted to have a normal life because they they mirror each other so much where it's just like there's constant danger you can't relax like you you just can't there's like no 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 no, no. we have to stay safe and tess and frank are both just like no let's live a little like i'd love to come inside i've been dying to see inside that was just so so good like both of their like both bill and joel's fears just like no you can't just go inside like think of the consequences like they were like no we're gonna enjoy this we're pausing we're pausing the pandemic we're just we're just hanging out okay yeah it's fine. they're totally they're totally different vibes and you know what i was gonna bring this up later when we we're talking about episode four but i'll bring it up now uh so spoilers I'll, i put i did indeed put them in the timestamps of the previous episode so i'll put them in the timestamps this one but spoilers for the big moment of the last of us part two okay and i'll remind people uh, when it's spoiler free again but uh, one of the things, so I, I think a lot of people, myself included, especially after we talked about it last week, were wondering, are they going to do with this Joel what they did in the game? Because it was so mm-hmm. wildly unpopular. Like if you take maybe the other most famously controversial decision in the video game that I could think of, uh, the ending of Mass Effect 3, right? <laughs> if they, I mean, they did remake the game, but if they made Mass Effect 3 the t- or Mass Effect the TV show and it was following Shepard, they would probably, I would think, tweak that ending because it was so unbelievably unpopular. And so the question here was, are they going to keep everyone going down the same path where Joel is still going to get taken out by a golf club in The Last of Us Part 2 or The Last of Us Season 2, as it may be? I... And- Oh, go on. Thank you. So uh, I'm convinced now more than ever, as every episode goes more and more, I fully believe that they are going to do that. And I think that they're steering, they're trying to like retcon the characters. I think that's actually why Ellie is a little bit more brutal too. They're trying to retcon the characters to make it work better to the point where I think we're going to see a lot of people who did not play the game, who watched the show and were like, yeah, that made total sense. And one of the things they keep, hammering on about in the show in the podcast and everything is that joel is overly protective it's what he thinks that he needs to do Mm -hmm. and that's not a good thing whereas i think when a lot of people played the last of us potentially the reason it got so fucking popular was because they didn't see him as like the uh the toxic protector a lot Mm -hmm. of people saw joel as like the everyman who stepped up when he knew that he had to and those are two (laughs) entirely different like lanes for him to be in right so a lot of people he's play not it's like the stepdad he's not the stepdad he's the dad who stepped up exactly yeah, <laughs> sure. 
but I think a lot of people were like, yeah, he's still like a good guy. And like, of course he made that choice at the end of the episode or at the end of the first game uh, to save Ellie. Like, how could you not? Like he had to. And that's, mm-hmm. and, and that's why it's such bullshit because he made the right choice. So that's why it's such bullshit for a lot of people that he died in the second game. Whereas clearly Neil Druckmann is sticking with his guns. And I think Craig Mazin is completely on board with it. That like, no, Joel's love for Ellie is a very toxic type of love. It looks good because he's protecting people, but it's a very, very toxic thing. And I think they're leaning into that as as time goes on. I think I that they're think, trying to make it make more sense. I think toxic is a strong word for what the love is. It's I wouldn't say it's toxic. It's just reactionary, you know? Like... I guess maybe you could definitely make the argument that's toxic, but it just—I don't know if I would have reacted any differently. So maybe that's why I don't want to admit that it's toxic. But it's just—it's very much like the type of love that you see in a lot of like sitcom shows, where like the dad and like if you date my daughter, I'll fucking beat you up and shit. Like treat her right. Um, it's, it's a very father as the protector role and yeah, you could say it's toxic, but it's just very primal, if anything, in my mind. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, Matt, I want to get your opinion too. I don't know Mm -hmm. if they use the word toxic in the podcast specifically, but they, they really do hammer home on that podcast that this is a very, they definitely use the word dangerous. I don't know if they use the word toxic, but they definitely use the word dangerous. So, and the the point being, this is not an entirely positive type of protection that he's providing. This is the (laughs) role that he thinks he does. He sees the same in Bill. He's like, we're the people who protect so they can live their lives. But that's really what we're all about. They talk about it in the next episode too. Of like, that's the thing that uh, that Joel's always good at. Like Tommy in the first episode in the first scene basically needs to get rescued. He's the guy who rescues people. He's the guy who saves people. But they keep talking about how dangerous it is and how bad it is that he's that obsessed with protecting people and that that much of his personality is devoted to it in a way that I personally, at least, didn't get from Joel in the first game. I did see Joel as the more caring father figure who has to do, who who will do what he has to thing. But I didn't see the dark side of that in the first game that clearly they thought that they wrote into it because the dark side of it is what leads into what happens to him in the second game. I think that's why the the part of the second game, the intro basically comes out of left field for so many people. It's like, wait, what the fuck? Whereas when you hear huh? Neil talk about it, he's like, well, of course, like he killed all these fire. How could this not happen to him? Where it's like, we were watching the same thing, but a lot of people were seeing like a six when Neil Druckmann was trying to write a nine. And I think in this show, they're trying to make it more clear that they're writing a nine. But yeah, Matt, I'm and- very curious what you have to say too. Quickly, so sorry. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to cut you off, Caitlin. I don't no, know no, if you were going to say that. There's um, lag on that, the internet. No, I was going to say. I was going to say, Matt. I Matt. I'm gonna let you finish, but quickly. <laughs> um, I think that we didn't see it as like as intense because we were seeing it through his point of view. The whole game, save for the beginning, was from his point of view. Whereas here, we're able to jump around more, and we're seeing like different ways that people are surviving so we're seeing a lot more comparing than just going through joel's eyes but yes yeah and well and a lot of the time in the games when he's doing that like fierce defending it's against like literal monsters 
um, where this sort of like, I will do literally anything to protect you. You know, it's like, yeah, when you're, when you're fighting against zombies, it's like that comes off as actually a very positive, pragmatic, you know, sort of like heroic thing. Um, and yeah, I, I like, I think I like the word dangerous more than toxic too. Cause like, I think his love for Ellie comes from a very obviously troubled, but I think kind of pure place, you know, where he's like, I, I couldn't protect someone before. Now I'm going to do that. Like, I, I think from mm-hmm. his perspective, it's all, it's all, it, it's, it's all good. But yeah, it's like, I don't know that it's bad, but it's just, you got to be careful with it um, because it doesn't take a lot for him to become extreme about it. Yeah. Cause yeah. he's not at least like in relatively, it's not like it's a controlling love in a way. Like, yes, he's in charge, but he's pretty lenient at times as long as it's safe. Yeah. It's not like the, he's not exactly like a helicopter parent, like locking my kid in the basement so that they don't scrape their knee kind of thing. Like it's, mm-hmm. you know, I think it, it comes off generally positively because there are very real dangers that she actually does need to be protected from, whether it's mm-hmm. the, the zombies or the humans. Cause even most of the time, the humans, I mean, you know, there's, there's definitely a good chunk of like collateral, uh, in, in the game but even you know a lot of times the humans it's like you know if you're just looking at it from like a moral objective kind of thing if you can do that you know it probably is joel and ellie over a lot of the people that you know come out in the game and so especially when you're doing it from joel's perspective it's like you maybe sort of lose the perspective of what they're really doing a bit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm reminded of what uh, other TV talk, not of it. Well, I guess the top TV talkers, but other Nerds of the North co-host Adam was saying, and the reason that he he actually didn't like the first Last of Us game, and then I don't think I think he got a little bit in the ways in the second game, but then definitely didn't finish it. Uh, but the reason for that was that he got to the end and he was like, "This is objectively the bad choice." So to use my own <laughs> metaphor, he was already seeing the nine, and that's why he didn't like it. Whereas when I was playing it, I was like, this is just a man. He's any man. He's the guy who stepped up. He's just doing what he has to do. He's protecting. Like, we all want to be the fuck. Whereas, like, I guess that's what I'm trying to say in this version of it. I, that's a good point about the objective versus Joel's perspective. And it's also because, not that um, not that Pedro Pascal isn't charming, but Troy Baker is so charming that you really can't just, like, go along with, like, the southern gentility of Joel in the game and, and just be like, yeah, anything that he's doing is objectively correct because Daddy's soothing voice is doing it. Um, <laughs> whereas, like, I think in this one, they want, they want I think, a way larger of the population. I'm assuming that the, the ending of this is going to be the ending of the game, right? Mm-hmm. So they want a way higher percent of the population who watches Joel butcher a full compound of fireflies to be like joel you fucked up whereas opposed to a lot of people when they played the game were like yeah joel you got to do what you got to do you got to protect your girl you know what i mean like i think they they want to flip people's reactions to the ending because you're reacting to the ending of the first one changes dramatically how you look at the second one completely completely yeah i'm i to be honest i still sort of see joel's decision in the end of the first one as sort of the right thing you know like like objective like objectively yeah definitely not but it's it's um 
you know, to borrow from another HBO show, you know, it's like, what's the price of, you know, the one bastard boy against the kingdom? It's like everything, you know, mm-hmm. it's like Fedra is probably objectively doing the right things to like ensure the survival of the maximum number of people. It's like they're, they're doing very effective things. They're absolutely monstrous, but like they're ensuring the survival of the race, but they're the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Like they're the enemies. And I think that's sort of, I don't know. I, I still really like the choice to be like, you know what? This is a hundred percent the wrong decision in terms of like, what would be best for everybody? Mm-hmm. Um, but like we've seen what can happen when that is what we do and there's a conscious choice to go in the other direction. Completely. It's like really talking about what is right and what is wrong. There's like your emotional right and wrong. There's the statistical right and wrong. And we will never know the objective right and wrong. There's just no nothing out there that you can look at and be like, okay, was this the right choice? There's nothing that's going to tell you. It's just point of view, really. Yeah. I guess the other thing, and, and we'll, we'll wait, and we'll get back into episode three in a second, but we'll have to wait to, uh, to find out. I really was going to talk about this in episode four, but I'm so fucking scatterbrained that I just knew we would forget, and then I would be like, ah, damn it. But um, it's the fireflies in the game that, like, attempt that they're, they say they're going to make a cure, whereas... Mm-hmm. We didn't have all those scenes with the what's the word mycologist or whatever the mushroom Myco- specialist uh, mycologist yeah mycologist, I think mycologist I think. mycologist yeah we didn't have the scene we didn't have the scene at the beginning and we didn't have the scene with the mycologist from uh, Jakarta to tell us straight up there's no cure there's no vaccine so like mm-hmm. you could in theory believe that the fireflies are going to make the vaccine but at least when I was playing the first game. I had no faith that they had any fucking idea what they were doing. And so uh, I was kind of, I bought in with Joel's idea of like, they're just going to kill her for just for the shits of it. And I'm not going to do this again. Mm-hmm. Whereas like they really push in the second game. Cause like, I don't know if you guys got far enough to find out that the, the doctor that you kill in the first game is Abby's dad. Right. You found that out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like a, an uber confident guy. So all of a sudden when you meet him, you're just like, okay, so he clearly was going to be able to succeed with the vaccine, which really changes your perspective on that one. But if we know there's no vaccine even possible, I'm curious how they're going to phrase that final choice because are we going to believe some doctor in the fireflies that they could possibly make a vaccine when we had the world expert in like the first two episodes say that we can't, but she's a mycologist. She's not a doctor. She's not a medical doctor and she's not a, um, pen, pen, pandemic dollar. Pandemicologist, <laughs> epidemiologist, disaster. epidemiologist. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yes. and I feel like she. Uh, oh, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, oh, go for Canadian it. Canadian standoff. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah, she. Uh, <laughs> you know, she was one person, and yes, she was the world's leading expert on like mycology and things like this. She's one person. There could have been like, let's bring the top five mycologists in the room with the top five epidemiologists in the room with the top five medical doctors in the room. She was just one person. And yes, she knew the scale of it. And she knew that there wouldn't be able to be developed a vaccine in this time frame for sure to do anything. But this is 20 years later, maybe there's been something figured out. And also like the, 
it's not exactly the same situation situation like ellie is something new that we have not had before so it's not like we're not working with the same information you know um and also i think you just you gotta have hope like you know (laughs) most people aren't gonna be but someone has to be luke skywalker you know like you know i feel like in that world it's like hey that we have this like new thing that's come along that might actually change the game. It's like, you got to go for it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It, it, it like, you got to try. Got to risk it for the biscuits. Speaking of foodstuffs. Oh yes. Huh. The, uh, the cutest scene involving strawberries that you're going to see this year. The strawberries. It turns out that Frank snuck around, traded a gun. Which one? A little one. <laughs> what a great <laughs> line. He's got some strawberries, and then maybe the best piece of acting that Nick Hoffman has ever done, which is not to say the rest of his work is bad, just that it was just an iconic moment where they they dink and they eat the strawberry. I've watched so much Rhett and Link that I'm like, dink it and sink it when they like cheers the strawberry. (laughs) And then he does the little giggle of eating something sweet for the first time. Oh, it was such a lovely moment. I remember my fiance when we were watching this, she goes, not the strawberries it's like they're really gonna do me with the strawberries and then every scene after it when we like thought something bad was gonna happen they're like they're gonna do this after the strawberries (laughs) it was just such a wonderful moment in the middle of all this in front of my strawberries (laughs) and speaking of not the strawberries i mean bill strip tries to seduce frank on top of the strawberries he's like no no no. not on the strawberries (laughs) You work so hard. We gotta be, yeah. Gotta have a little, uh, I think we've all kind of had that moment where we tried to, like, pull something on our partner, and then it's like, I just worked hard for whatever we're doing. Like, like not my hair. Like, no, I just got it right. Yeah. Like, we not, you know? It's like, yeah, let's just enjoy it for a moment. moment. Yeah. It's a, there's a time and a place. Professor Oak popped out of nowhere. There's a time and a place. Uh, <laughs> but not now. Anyway, so then we have Bill, who clearly never played the game, is just out there in the middle of the street shooting at people. Like, Bill, you have a sniper rifle in a bunch of buildings. What are you doing? Under Why no are you in the middle cover, of the road? In Bizarre. full... Just, it's... I, I was speechless. I was crying still, but I was speechless <laughs> in my tears. Uh, Bill! You're better than this. That was my one critique. And I was seeing, um, uh, I listened to this podcast, Behind the Bastards, the guy who was like a weapons fanatic, he was like, uh, this is just unbelievable. This is just unbelievable. Yeah. This was, this was one of the more crazy moments. But then we have, okay, so we're like, all right, so, and maybe I'm the dummy, because you guys both picked up on the fact that it's going to be a different ending very early on. Whereas to answer my own question, I didn't get it until like, the last moment, basically, when you see the the ten years later moment when uh, when when Frank is now the sick one, because you get that like double fake, right? Bill gets shot in the stomach, and he says that line, "I'm sorry, I'm aging faster than you." When he but was running, it, yeah. But then it's been ten years, and they say that he either has like ALS or uh, or MS, MS or yeah, something one of them. degenerative, yeah. Yeah, so he's got one of them, and then we have the uh, the saddest day. Perhaps in television history. One last good day. Heartbreaking. And at what point did you guys think, I don't want to go even too much in depth because I'm going to start tearing up, but at what point did you guys think that Bill made up his mind to join him? That moment. There was no way in my mind, no way that Bill would survive that day. There was no way 
There was no way. Like, when, like, I had a a hunch, of course, like, that Bill was going to... I thought he was just going to shoot himself, honestly. So this was a lot more beautiful. But when he brought in the wine, I knew... I knew that he also had it in his wine. Oh. I, I didn't expect it pretty much right up until the end because I still thought we were getting to like the same end state as the game, you know, where Frank okay, is yeah. dead and Bill's alive. So pretty much right up until he said it, I, I didn't see it coming. I, I like thought about it before as like, oh, like I almost just wish, like I can't imagine, you know, like I'm going to be way too sad for him to not <laughs> have Frank around. So like, I'd almost feel better if he just, you know, killed himself too. It sounds like a terrible thought, but, um, but yeah, pretty much right up until the end, I, I didn't see it coming. I'm a romantic, so that's probably why I was like, nah, there's no way. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even, I'm, I'm even watching it again now, and, like, the 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 decision to, like, it looks like he's only pouring something into the one glass, but then he drinks the glass. So I remember being confused at the time, and like, wait, what? But I, I too, even, I mean, this was the the, first, the final moment where I realized that Frank wasn't going to kill himself. Up until then, I, I still expected the final jump to be something happens that makes them break up, and we still get to the same state, because... I think the even when he had ALS. Well, no, no, no. So when <laughs> you wheels off. Yeah, when the ten years later jump was when I knew that they were gonna break up in that same way. But when they got shot, oh. I thought like, baby, like Bill, you're so obsessed with safety that you don't let me live. And they was, I thought they would still get to that same part. Also, gotcha. the casting of Nick Offerman made me think that he would be a more significant character. Like Bill's only briefly in the game. I thought maybe he would have more extended role in the show or something like that. So I thought it was really bold to hire such a famous actor. And I, I mean, Murray Bartlett, I think he was in like White Lotus, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which I haven't seen yet, but apparently it's quite good. But so he's obviously a big name too, which it makes more sense now, but I like just did not th- expect them to have Nick Offerman for like a one and done uh, scene, to be honest. Totally. So uh, uh, and I mean, instead they just have him in like the best episode of the year. Yeah. This was, I, I think the only time, uh, that I've had the same difficulty because I watched this episode with my dad who had never seen any of the episodes of the show or played the game. He just, (laughs) they have the HBO subscription. So I was watching it at their house and he was just like, you know, sat there and continued to watch it. So I was like, even though it's like the patriarchy and toxic masculinity or whatever, there's just like a deep, a deep inability to cry in front of my father. (laughs) So I was like, keep it contained, keep it contained, keep it contained. And the only time I can remember that I really had to do that too was when I watched, foolishly, I watched Marley and Me with my parents back when it, it first came out. Oh, no. Because it was like a dog movie. Like, I know the dog's probably going to die, but that was, that's the hardest I've ever cried in a movie. They Marley showed it to us at school. Oh, my God. That's like, abuse, I feel like. child us abuse. To suffer? We watched that and Bridge to Terabithia at school. Oh, oh God. Jesus, I man! I remember. I would have never uh, watched it on my own. Man, I remember Bridge to Terabithia being so angry at every single character at the end of the movie for not being sad enough. <laughs> how dare you not be as I was sad like, as I I'm am right now? Gutted. You guys need to be sad. How dare you be happy? What's wrong with you? <laughs> I think I've uh, told this story before, but it's kind of a funny story. So in grade six, I we were reading uh, the book. Uh, what's it called? Where the Red Fern Grows? Do you guys oh, read this fuck. book? Yep. I, I didn't it, read it's, it. It's a book with dogs, and any book with dogs, the dog is not going to make it to the end. It's like a guarantee, right? Um, and so 
it was one of it's you know the kind of grade where for the last chapter of the book like you would read a chapter on like you know alone and then you would go and that's where you you know okay you're doing the math okay i'm like six people away what paragraph am i gonna have to read mm-hmm. and it got to a guy who i'm not gonna call out because i still know him to this day um and he just didn't understand Say grammar so uh no <laughs> i'm not gonna do it uh <laughs> and he just didn't understand grammar particularly well or punctuation rather so uh it got to the point where they were like the kids were describing how the dogs have been killed by a cougar i believe and one of the kid was saying to uh his dad he was talking about the experience of watching their dog get mauled by a cougar and the dad says oh that must have been awful and then the kid says it was papa like it was awful and he didn't read the comma, so he just said, it was Papa! It was Papa! <laughs> and we're like, he fucking killed the dog? So we all died laughing. What a and twist. Then we had a sub for that class, and the sub was actually the twin sister of our regular teacher, which Ooh, was just a be. weird situation in and of itself. But then the teacher comes back, like, the next week and was like, hmm, all smug, like, <laughs> you guys are looking tough now. But yeah. I bet you all cried at the end of Where the Red Fern Grows. And we were all like, actually, we laughed really hard. <laughs> She's and like, she oh, my God, like, they're monsters. <laughs> yeah, what kind of psychopaths am I teaching here? But like, it was Papa. It was Papa. That was my personal uh, uh, just eat or don't eat grandma, right? What's yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. eat grandma. That was my personal. Let's, let's eat, eat grandma. grandma yeah. yeah. Also, for your teacher, that that had, I mean, you know, obviously it was legit, but that would be the best con ever. Yes, this is my twin, the substitute teacher. Oh, uh, you know, th- we never do yeah. anything with a sub. It's a movie today. Yeah. <laughs> you better be on your best behavior. They were twin, but let's put it like this, uh, because I don't want to call out her either. Um, but they were twins, and they, I think, when they were young, they were identical twins. Um, but when they when they grew older, one twin uh, became like bimbo adjacent, and the other one continued to look normal. And it's like Mary regular, Kate and Ashley, sort <laughs> of, uh, with way bigger breasts. And oh. uh, it's just a bold. I mean, it's not like the the principal of the school could be like, "You have your your tits are too big to teach grade six. But at the same time, it's a bold <laughs> choice to put a very busty lady into a group of. Boys entering puberty. Was the oh no? Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't the the twin. Yeah. Oh my god. And there was even a moment. um, This is gonna be coming story time with Simon. This is the funniest thing ever. My friend Andrew. I'll call it his name. uh, We were talking about optical illusions in class, and her shirt had like sort of faded cars on it, which is not an optical illusion. It's just like faded cars on a shirt, (laughs) and we're talking about. And then he's clearly just staring at a rack. And oh then he's, he points at her. He's like, hey, look, cars. And she's like, oh, you know what? Those are cars. And like she was wearing a cardigan or something. So she proceeds to open up the cardigan and walk no, around no. and show all of us. Oh, no. So I, I should still be sending uh, my friend Andrew a bottle of wine every year for uh, for doing that for us. <laughs> ten out of ten. True Thanks. bro moment. Anyway, so this is uh, at the end of, of Trauma time with Simon. Time to cry. Yeah, time to cry. This was... When they go into the bed, and I thought it was such a smart moment not to show them in, uh, oh yeah, in bed. But it was when I got home that I was just like, I finally let it out. I was like, oh man, this is gonna be a good, good crying moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hardly ever cry at stuff. Uh, not because I'm like so tough or whatever. It's just like become so much of a thing that anytime I'm getting close, I'm just like, oh, am I gonna cry? Am I gonna cry? Oh, I might yes. cry, and then I take myself out of it. Um, but like, yeah, this one kind of got me a little bit. So it's like, that's a very high bar to clear. 
but you know wow. yeah this one got S- me definitely over more than a little bit um this is the one episode my partner watched with me because she doesn't like anything scary and um it just wow yeah it it, it sucked more because she was there too and so mm-hmm. we were just going through all of that and like putting ourselves in that same situation and so we were just like for the rest of the night just like bawling I think we went through like a whole box clean ice. Yeah. Oh, this is way more distressing than the zombie apocalypse. If they can get through this, <laughs> yeah. they can watch anything. Where the zombies <laughs> go? Yeah. This is uh this is it's like, no oh problem. god, so... I need a break from this romance. Give me some zombies. Oh, I need <laughs> to calm down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've seen people call it uh gay intro to up. And I think yeah, yeah. the yeah. only thing keeping it from being as effective as the intro to up was Michael Giacchino. Because like the the visuals are just as good. I mean, it's maybe better because you have, but that fucking song, "Married Life," when the sad yeah. piano hits you, is just it's like a magic trick to unlock my tear ducts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just bawling every time. I'm gonna edit this episode and add that in now, and then send it to you, just for fun, for fun for me. Hold on, your uh, <laughs> your mic cut out for me at least, so that was like I'm gonna add in. And then oh, like totally I'm going to add that song in now to um to that episode and then just send it to you for fun. Oh, you're just going to put when they <laughs> start to walk upstairs. Da, 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 da. Yep. Da, da, da. Oh, man. Fuck. <laughs> Ugh, that would that would get me. So we've already spent an hour talking about one episode, uh, but it's good because I think the second episode, both in terms of length, it's about 20 minutes shorter and in terms of like stuff that happens what? in it. Yeah, I don't think it's nearly as dense as uh, mm-hmm. as the previous episode. And I already blew my main talking point about how Joel was on a different path in the game. Um, because a lot of this part is, like, straight up from the game, right? They're still driving. They're bonding. Yeah. What I thought was interesting, though, is that, holy shit, they've made it really far in that car in this episode. Like, I had to pull up a map and look at the distance between Boston and Kansas City they made it 21 hours out, like 21 hours in perfect condition. That, they covered a lot of ground. In the game, they only made it to Pittsburgh, and that's where this happens. Yeah, they. I mean, I'm, you may have listened to the episode already, but in the podcast, they talk about why they changed it, because apparently a lot of Pittsburgh people uh, were pissed off about it. And I say, fuck them, that's why they called Schittsburg. But, uh, they were pissed off? It's literally the pit. Like, Fallout, uh, Fallout also did, like... Yeah, this place fucking sucks. They called it the pit. <laughs> the and there's like cave gremlins there. Yeah. Also, we're from uh, Winnipeg. They can fucking deal with people shitting on where they live. <laughs> Get used to yeah. it. Fine. But the reason they want to do that, they want to have them already in Kansas City, was there were two reasons. Apparently, Calgary just looks more like Kansas City than Pittsburgh. That's reason number one. Oh, thank And you. reason number two kind. is that uh, they just, they kind of did the math just like you did. And they said, look, look. Pittsburgh is way closer to their final destination. So if we say they only made it to Pittsburgh by episode four, then we need to have way more stuff for them in doing in between. So it's a conscious choice to let them be further along on their trip. Because, yeah, that was like a, 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 you know, Kansas City was not in the games whatsoever. Why would they throw that in there? Why would they do yeah. Pittsburgh I, dirty like that? I, I was kind of disappointed, though, because, like... I, like, I do understand because, like, what, we would just have, like, a travel montage, I guess. Like, yeah, and then they go here, and then they sleep, and then they go here, and then they sleep. But that was so much ground to cover. That's, like, half, like, over half the United States they cleared. 
I feel like it kind of works for the characters, though, because, like, this was sort of the first episode where they were, like, obviously kind of starting to warm up to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like it sort of, it, it helps a little bit to be like, yeah, like, they've they've been together for a while now. Like, they've traveled some distance. It's not just like, oh, yeah, we hopped over to the next town, and, like, now we're a bit chummy. Um, not that it, like, wasn't believable in the other case, but, you know, I, I think it, it helps out in a few ways. Okay. Yeah. I yeah, that. I mean, what are they? And they end up in Colorado, right? So, like, it makes sense that if we we know what happens in the games, so we know that there's a lot of stuff that happens in between there and here. So uh, I don't remember at the end of this. I, I guess I could flash forward, but at the end of this episode, I'm pretty sure they're not taken off. No, they get ambushed by Sam and or Henry. I don't remember which one. Yeah, so they're Both probably staying where they are for a little while. I would imagine. Yeah, maybe like I take a horse, like... but I don't think they're gonna hop into yeah. a car for the next little while. <laughs> yeah oh okay okay also why didn't joel grab his pack like I... the car there was a moment like after they crashed the car and they took out the guy like ellie shot him in the spine and stuff which holy shit that's worse than death being shot in the spine god ellie why um and he goes and he grabs his gun from the car but he doesn't grab his pack and it was right there. Why didn't he take it? Well, I feel like there's, I mean, focused. sometimes it's definitely just to like, all right, we need to limit them. So, you know, they're not going to do this. But I feel like the like getting shot at brain is a very real thing. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 w- I was more annoyed with the, wood. this was the first time where one of them, a character had done something where I'm like, that's kind of dumb. Like with just their decision to go into the city at all in the first place. Yes. You know, it like feel like a Joel move. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I know they kind of, I think they tried to sort of set it up or justify it a bit with talking about um, the, like difficulties with gas and how it breaks yeah, down, how far would it which be around. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Which like bonus points for doing that, because I feel like things um, never address that. Like people just have gas and like, you know, gas is a hot commodity, but like, and it's it years down. and years later and the, everything still runs fine. It's like, no, the stuff breaks down. It's nearly useless, like 20 years on, or even way before that, really. So bonus points for that. But yeah, this was the first time where I'm just like, I mean, you guys have already been driving for how many hours? What's another like four to get back to the highway? Like, you know how dangerous the cities are. And thinking on it, it I could probably chalk up part of it as well to Joel, like not having slept the night before. Like, True, I like yeah. to think that, like, Ellie spooked him, and now he's, like, he can't sleep now because he's too stressed. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh... <laughs> they they definitely do things him. that, like, you know, it, it contributes to his decision to do it. But this was the yeah. first time where I'm just like, ah, that's dumb. I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. Not a smart or prudent move. But then you have, I mean, just like in the the first episode, I think, where there were a couple scenes, like, uh, they have a kid, so do we keep moving? There are a lot of lines in this episode, I think, that were taken, lifted directly from the game, which is mm-hmm. like, hey, help, help, I need help. And then we're going through, he doesn't really need help. How did you know he didn't really need help later? Oh, because I've been on both sides. I think those mm-hmm. are both directly uh, from the game. But you know what, Caitlin? Let's just steer right into the skit and talk about Brian. New addition. I'm pretty sure Ellie <gasps> men, shoots men, and men. kills somebody in the game. Men, 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 men. <laughs> men, men, men. <laughs> But yeah, this is like awful. First of all, she shot him like in a place where I kind of thought the bullet would go through and hit Joel. Oh, was the only yeah, I was that? I was really worried about that. I was like, oh, I would have done that differently. Yeah, but also With she doesn't really gun, know what she's it, doing. It, it would have been fine. 
Oh yeah, see, if you live in Alberta, rifle, so you, you know more about guns. So we're just gonna trust you <laughs> that the Albertan can tell us. That's what I fucking thought. Yeah, you probably yeah, got truck I, nuts. I definitely. Oh, you bet. Yeah, on my little hatchback. Yeah, for sure. Um, actually, I'm on my bike. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> they jiggle. Um, I was drinking. That was almost. Really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that was that was a very good sound. Um, but yeah, I was extremely tense when she was like lining up to shoot him. And like, I, I was glad Joel wasn't mad at her because like, you know, kind of saved, kind of saved his life. But, um, being shot in the spine. Damn, Ellie. Damn. Like, ow. That yeah. fucking suck. And like, it would just set in the panic. And like when he was screaming for his mom, holy shit. Yeah, that was awful. They they definitely put that in there just to torture us and, of course, to torture Ellie. Because I thought, I mean, I didn't even think, to be honest, about, like, the, I, because, like, I'm a dummy that goes along with the plot. That's why I didn't see uh, the different ending of the previous episode coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just was like, yeah, it's too far to go. Of course, they're going to go through the city. But this was one of the ones where I was like, man, Joel, you got to, like, kill him way faster, too. Like, it's, way I know that faster. it's traumatizing that, like, she shot a guy and she didn't kill him. But, like, the fact that he's talking now is just so much worse. Yeah. Uh, so like, yeah, that, this was when I was like, you guys let him talk for way too long for everyone, all three of them knowing how this was going to end. And Ellie's reaction was pretty stone cold. Like she, maybe, maybe it's the trauma, but like she, she like just went to the room and she like didn't even really think on it too much. Like she was smiling and laughing with Joel like, like 15 minutes later. Yeah, like th- this is where I was originally going to bring up the difference in between them and the and the previous game. We're out of spoiler territory for for the Last of Us episode two now, so I won't bring up what they're on the path to. But this is where I was going to bring it up because they do a lot of character stuff that just shows that like that alludes to Ellie's darker past that they now know of, right? Like in the game, you don't know like what she just found. She was raised by orphans somewhere, but like now we know because we have left behind that she probably killed. Well, she's definitely killed a lot of zombies. Well, not a lot, because in the game versus the show, there's probably, like, one, like, 50th the amount of zombie murder. Mm-hmm. So maybe or maybe not she's killed uh, uh, an infected, but they definitely allude to the fact that she's killed a person at some point. Maybe they were just infected. I forget the name of her um, her friend in Left Behind. I'm not sure. Was yeah. it Riley? Maybe... Riley? Is that what you said? I can't remember. They mentioned Riley in the first episode, but I haven't actually played Left Behind, so I don't know if that's where it's from. This is a pure it, guess. Yeah, I think it might be Riley, yeah, that uh, that I was involved with in Left Behind. Let's just pretend that it's Riley. So maybe in this version, because I think, I think that they just, like, agreed to, like, die together, um, and then Ellie didn't turn in Left Behind. So maybe right. they realized that Riley realized that she wasn't going to turn, and so she was the one who made the decision to kill Riley, and that's what hardened her. That's what my guess is. But yeah, that wasn't that. there to allude to in the first game. So now they're giving Ellie more of a a checkered pass. So yeah, this was definitely an interesting scene. Yeah, and I think you get some of that more like Joel being very protective. And I mean, rightfully so in this, like, you know, he doesn't know any of that. So for him, this is just like a kid who's just like, you know, killed somebody for the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, It's almost like he's expecting her to react like his daughter would have. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. and like you get some of that. Like it, it clearly affects her. She's definitely upset. Um, but you know, like she's, she's kind of hard. Like she's not new to this. Like she can brush it off and keep going. And Joel's just 
not expecting it to be that way which is you know i mean in this case that's very nice from him like he should be concerned you know this is not a regular thing for a 14 year old to do um but you know she's uh yeah he's definitely got got some stuff yeah um, like they, they talk about it in the podcast uh don't i did hear you say that caitlin so i'm not gonna be talking <laughs> go very on, long. Go on. but they talk about it in the podcast taking on the shot it's been like 45 minutes since the last time i said that but how Joel treats Ellie like Ellie's Sarah, but in fact, Ellie is trying to be Joel. Like, at any time that she sees him be brutal, like in the first episode when she saw that he's willing to beat the shit out of someone, beat someone to death, I'm pretty sure, to yep. save someone, like, she's like, I want to be that. And, like, when she sees a protector, she's like, I want to be that. So that's the trajectory that they want. And I also don't know that I took that specifically away from the game, too, that, like, Ellie was trying to be a mirror of Joel. I mean, she looked up to him because he survives. But, like, specifically, they're emphasizing that she sees Joel as someone that she wants to be, someone who's willing to do whatever it takes. And that I think um yeah. like uh quick spoiler for later on in the game, but like when in winter especially, I think she is trying to be Joel because Joel, like you said, like he's a survivor. He survives. So I think she does like really idolize him in that way. And like does try to emulate him and is like fascinated with him. Like even just all the questions that she asks him and stuff and her mm-hmm. reactions to things. And uh, one thing I was going to say earlier, though, is that um, it looks like they are going to go into her past, which is exciting. Um, the episode, episode seven, the title is Left Behind. Um, oh, I would okay. love to see it. Here's my, mm-hmm. I, even before you said that here would be my guess that I want to get down on the record. I think that, you know, the scene where Joel like falls again, spoilers for that part of the game, he falls and he gets impaled on something. Yeah. And then he like, they take Rebar. him to, a, I think they're going to stop. They're going to pause the current story there. That that's going to be the end of episode six. They're going to go into left behind. That will be episode seven. And then they'll pick up uh, from there in episode eight and episode nine. That would be my, my That'd guess. That'd be sick. That'd be great because I really would love to go into more of Ellie's past because just like I feel like we've already talked about this, but she is so different. She's so different. And so I want to see what makes her so different. What's her experience that she's had in the past? Why is she so feral almost as compared to Ellie in the game? Yeah. Ellie in the game was pretty wild. I loved her. Yeah. Feral is a good word for it. The I I mean, there's a couple things we could talk about, but I, I don't want to go too too much longer. I did like how Tommy's voice actor is in this. Uh, first they show yeah. him he's like the uh, he's the lieutenant guy. He has the most amazing hair and beard that has ever been put to film. It's amazing Beautiful. that there were two remarkable beards in episode three, and they somehow get one upped in episode four. It mm-hmm. shouldn't be possible, and yet it is. But Tommy's actor, it sounds like a lot of the actors. I'm sure we're gonna see Troy Baker in some role at some point. I hope so. Yeah, I think both he and Ashley Johnson were confirmed to have, like, small parts. Oh, good. Yeah. So, but anyway, Tommy's voice actor is in here, and he plays the lieutenant to Kathleen. Kathleen, I believe, is a new addition, and she's hunting men, down... Men, 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 men. <laughs> she's, uh, she's hunting down Sam and Henry. Uh, I don't remember why Sam and Henry. I just think they were, like, you know, being chased by Fedra just because. But it's interesting that it's framed that the, the murders of brian and his pals were by sam and henry and not by joel and ellie that's what they assume so that's going to be an interesting situation that we're going to find ourselves in in episode four but i mean the last thought that i'll get from you guys maybe on on kathleen um i mean she seemed like fine we'll see where she goes apparently the internet is really mad about that casting i don't 
totally understand. Of Kathleen? Yeah. I think because she looks, she looks very like nice and friendly, but then she's like doing all this brutal stuff. But I feel like that's the point, you know, that like these are just regular people. Apparently the actor is a gay icon. Actually, that's what that's what the yeah, brief googling that I did. Yeah, she's straight, which is like I was try- I literally googled like queer, gay. I was like, why is she such a gay icon? But like, the gay community loves latching onto random ladies and being like, yeah, she's an icon. But seeing, I've only seen this actress in Two and a Half Men as Rose, and Hence it was the men, men, so. Men thing. Oh, completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've probably seen every episode of Two and a Half Men. It's, it's, it's my shameful origin story. Um, but <laughs> it was so wild seeing her in this role as, like, this badass, like, and how it starts, like, with, with, like, her doctor who apparently, like, delivered her. And she's, like, struggling to kill him, even though she, like, knows that's what, like, the strong leader who she's trying to be should do. And then after getting that news, she goes back and just shoots him with no hesitation. So you could tell that, like, she's not, this is not a natural role for her, but she has an idea of what she has to do to meet the expectations of the group and to be the leader that they need. Um, There's very much, like, a struggle there, which is interesting. Yeah, like, she sort of looks like a kindergarten teacher, you know, but she's now the leader of this, like, rogue like mad max style like militia it's like that's that's just the thing that happens in these kinds of things i feel like anytime there's a backlash to like this kind of casting thing or or those sorts of things i feel like it's all it's almost all always just people being assholes or it's like you have a regular looking woman doing these things sorry we're like we didn't go with like michelle rodriguez like not everyone <laughs> looks like an action star fucking deal with it it's just been diesel in a wig <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i would genuinely watch that i was drinking again god damn it you I'm almost sorry. killed me you son of a oh. bitch. Okay, well, we really have nowhere to go from there. So I'm excited to see where the next episode goes. We're going to meet Sam. Spider-Man, we're going to meet Henry. It's, it's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, and so we'll see you guys in two weeks. Everybody out there, have a great week. Have a safe week, and we'll see you next time. Bye.